Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tell Me More. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Meyer. On the show, we break down some of the worst conversations in healthcare. Why? Because I believe that together we can build better ones. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Tell Me More, Better Conversations in Healthcare. As you all know, my mission with this podcast is to improve communication between patients and their healthcare providers. It turns out over the last year that I've been doing this that patients have pretty crummy conversations with their doctors. And my guest today is an expert in a couple of things, super interesting. One of them is the concept of picking the right doctor in the first place. So obviously, if you are having a conversation with the wrong person, it's doomed from the start. If you can connect with the right person as a healthcare provider, chances are you're going to have better conversations. So this is such a critical piece. I almost feel like we should start with that. Um, So Ari Tula, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, Really great to be here. It's my pleasure to have you. So you do a lot of things. You are a serial entrepreneur. Would you call yourself that? Um, I mean, I... I, I try to build companies that uh, help people live better lives. That's what I do. And and I've been lucky enough to be, or maybe old enough to be able to be involved <laughs> in multiple uh, things over the last many years. And, uh, and um, yeah, maybe that's appropriate. I don't know. Uh, I love it. Very good. So I want to start by talking about your uh, company, Better Doctor. So tell me about that. What was the the concept behind that company? What was your mission? Yeah, the catalyst. Um, so I'm, I'm, my background is in, in tech. I spent um, uh, about a decade in the world of video games. And um, I was very lucky to be very early in the mobile gaming. Uh, many of you probably have played a game on the phone. Uh, those games did not exist, you know, 20 years ago. And today, mobile gaming, of course, is the uh, biggest single area of gaming, bigger than console games and others combined. Two billion people play games. So I learned a lot about that world. Uh, but my my story is like many other people who got to healthcare uh, of by not being a doctor or caregiver or a scientist. I was a, a technologist, and um, my personal story and experience led me to work in healthcare because I really deeply care about the fact that, you know, it's the only place in the world where you can really save people's lives. And that is meaningful uh, to me. And so my my, my wife had a had a health issue uh, year 2000 a while ago. Uh, she had a thyroid tumor that uh, led into, uh, it was taken away and parcel of the thyroid was removed and it led into autoimmune diseases and hormonal imbalances it led into a verdict that we can never have a family and mm. uh, that stuff you know you found the love of your life and you you know make a house together and and then suddenly you 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 hear that you can never have a family not not the biggest deal maybe a, a 20 but over the years it started to bug us uh and we really wanted to you know have 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 kids as well so we spent almost 10 years in our life to to try to find a solution. So we used Western and Eastern medicine. We lived in Europe. We lived in the US. It was really tough. I mean, we got help from people. We got a lot of advice and many things didn't work. And in the end, we had a, somebody who helped us to think about what about diet? What about nutrition? And um, she was going into a very early idea of a uh, low inflammation diet, these sort of autoimmune diets that you now are 
prescribing uh, to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it helped and it lowered inflammation. The body was able to heal itself. We were able to get out of the medications and then we got into, you know, we, we were trying to have, have, have a family and, you know, we, we had to go to IVF in the end. And, and then after about a 10 year you know, journey, uh, we lost our first son, mm-hmm. totally unrelated, you know, uh, unrelated to this um, this problem earlier. And, uh, and that was kind of like, moment for our life like we spent so long on on something and then in the end it didn't work and that was a moment when we decided to uh you know we, we sold our stuff and we we decided to focus on healthcare and i moved from the you know the video gaming world into starting a healthcare company my wife became in the end a, a marcon marie consultant working with marie Kondo, helping people mm-hmm. to get rid of their stuff so it wasn't a corporate wow. huh. but that was a big moment uh, that happened about 13 years ago for us and I decided to spend my next 30 years on building healthcare companies. And the first problem that I felt very um, related was that, you know, we had, we I mean, I don't blame anyone, but, you know, we had some people who could have done things differently in the healthcare system. And that's possibly why we lost our son. And, um, and it was a really tough thing as a, as a parent, especially after, you know, that long haul that it took us to get there. Today we have, we have, my son is there. We have two healthy kids oh, now. So congratulations. And I'm, 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 I'm more than happy to talk about this, this story because so many people struggle with, you know, having a family. Uh, so many people are losing their children, maybe miscarriage or something else happens. And they don't talk about it. They keep it inside them. And these things are better to be shared, not to I... keep inside you because they're going to eat your life. In Absolutely. The but for us, it was about how do we find the right doctor? I was at the time an executive in a, in a, in a gaming company, and, um, and we had access to every doctor in the U.S. And we moved to the country from Europe where you go to the doctor you are given. Suddenly, mm-hmm. I have a book of million doctors to go for. Like, how do I know the right one? And that was such a big problem. And we were pretty smart. And we spent a lot of time thinking. We saw maybe 50 different doctors. And in the end, we found the right ones, but it felt like really overwhelming because when you mm-hmm. are sick, you are your weakest. And at that moment, you can't make good decisions. It's hard to navigate. You need help. You need hand holding. And nobody was ha- holding our hand. Mm-hmm. And um, and we wanted to build a, a company that was helping people to find the doctor they love. Maybe the love is a big word there, but you know, finding a doctor who can help you at the right time when you're at your weakest. And we built a website, we built a mobile app, and, and that was like 2011, I think. We were one of the first ones. And, and in the end, we had, we had tens of millions of people using the platform. So it was really powerful that, you know, something that you started from your own problem, your family problem, became a company that um, many people got a lot of value and help. And we were the first company who connected information like, you know, consumer reviews. We can debate about that, whether that's right to review doctors. There's a lot of opinions. I don't want to go there. Yeah. Uh, we look at, you know, the claims data as the first company ever to look at what doctors have done. For example, if you want to have a, uh, a knee replacement, do you want to have the doctor in your vicinity who has done thousands of them or the new doctor who has done five of them? Five, right. That was information we were able to show to people first time ever. Mm-hmm. And and many people, you know, they, they really liked the fact that they were seeing more uh, data uh, or behind the decision and um but yeah i mean we learn a lot i mean i think i helped thousands of people myself who sent me an email they called me and they were asking for help and of course i had to help them because you know that is the right thing to do wow amazing so so many things to unpack there so first of all 
so your company, Better Doctor, is was a basically a database of doctors' data based on claims, based on what they do, uh, patient experience, which is where uh, we've. I think review. There's a very big place for reviews. I think the hard thing with reviews is you know the validity of some of them, but I definitely think it's important to hear what other people think. So you built this database. So what did you do? Did you reach out to doctors and ask them to submit their information or how did you collect data on doctors specifically? Yeah, good question. And it was interesting because I mean, I came, I was a super user of the healthcare system, but I was a complete uh, newbie. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't really understand and you know, I I I'm from Finland, Europe, and, and I came to the US, uh, you know, a few years earlier, and I I saw a problem, but I didn't really know what made the problem happen. So what we did, we we used information sources like you know, every doctor you have an NPI number, for example, right? So NPI registry. There's a lot of different places that you know doctors are listed. So we got all that data together. This was before AI, so it was like really like data manipulation, uh, not that easy as today. But you know, we blended the data together into one place, and and then we we allowed doctors to go and and claim their profile. Like if you want to add a photo or you want to add more something is incorrect, you can do that. And we had you know tens of thousands of doctors who came in and and updated the data. Um, we also did crawl all the photos from the, you know, like rear books and stuff like that. To yeah. make so we did a lot of work to collect data. I think we spent like three or four years on that work. We had a big team of people doing it every day. Um, and then of course we more, wanted to make the data very valid because we found out that, that you know, people used our service and we integrated online scheduling uh, into EMR. So wow. you can book directly. We're the first company to probably do that in the world. So you can book an appointment in the doctor's office. And we found out that sometimes, you know, people booked for the wrong location or people booked and there was no response. And we were surprised, like, what's going on? And maybe, we were probably like maybe two or three years into the company. And we found out that many times the doctor address, the place of operation or seeing patients was wrong. And this data was coming from the government database. And we were like, well, how can it be? And we were maybe one of the first companies or people in the world to realize that the the doctor information today, even if you go to your health insurance company for the billing system, that information is wrong. And and that caused many, many thousands of people, people every year to go to the wrong place for care. Because one doctor can be in this hospital on Monday and Tuesday, and then they have right. practice on Wednesday and Thursday. You find the same doctor, you do the motions, and you go to see the doctor in the hospital. But that hospital setting is not covered by a health plan. And then you have to have this massive bill coming in that you right. didn't know. And how could right. you know? So something broke in the in the system. And we realized that you know we have thousands of people going bankrupt because of these shadow pills or these pills that happen because of wrong data. And years after that, you know, uh, Medicare and, and Medicaid made a rule that that data has to be cleaned up. So this is maybe, I don't know, six years, seven years ago. And that became the new business for the company. Yes, we were helping people to find doctors. It was really great mission, big impact for many, many people, millions of people. But we could really make money on that. So the business for the company in the end became that we started to power companies like Humana, United Healthcare, Aetna, with the better data. And that was mandated wow. by government. So in the end, Better Doctor became a 
database, like you said. And uh, and then we sold the company to a much bigger company who is powering all the doctor networks in the country today. So all mm-hmm. like that next company was Quest Analytics that I was running. And that company builds doctor networks and makes sure that all the data is correct for billing purposes and also for the network requirements. Like you need to have a certain amount of doctors, a certain type in any mm-hmm. given, for example, if for health plan. If you would have no, let's say, uh, primary care doctors at all in a certain area, how could you have that health plan? You can't. So that became the real business in the end. And that got me much deeper into the weeds. And you know, <laughs> a lot of time, the capital talking about access to care, uh, we were helping to write laws in the end about telemedicine that could be done over the you know, uh, state borders. So I, I was really lucky to be part of that. And then nobody did anything for the for the papers and the laws. But then at COVID, those yeah. became because you had to do cross-border. And some of that language was written by me and my team. So it's just wow. really cool when, when you get very deep into this healthcare. <laughs> That's amazing. Because actually, we are going through that thing right now. Like we did so much telemedicine over COVID, but you know, the, the public health emergency declaration just expired. And so now we are back to being limited in our ability to do telemedicine visits across state borders. So that's fascinating that you were involved in that. Go back to your personal story. And I'm so sorry to hear about losing a child. I have three kids on my own, and that is the worst thing as a parent. I cannot even imagine. So tell me how, first of all, however much you're willing to share about that story, but then how that experience led you to say healthcare in the US needs help. Was it, were you with the wrong doctors? You mentioned that maybe things could have gone differently for you and your family had you been with different doctors. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things I maybe want to go in there. Uh, the first one was about um, uh, the fact that, you know, first of all, my wife had a, had a condition that, uh, uh, you know, was sorted out very successfully uh, from the perspective of, of, you know, healthcare system. This happened in Finland and, you know, her thyroid tumor was taken away and uh, there was nothing beyond that. So really clean operation. But went perfectly in many ways. No impact on like the vocal cords. It's a big mm-hmm. tumor, size of a fist in the neck. Um, wow. So that was like amazing. I mean, but then that was it. I mean, then there was like procedure is to then medicate you, and uh, the side effect could be that you will never have a family. But that mm-hmm. was that was it. There was nothing beyond that. Nobody was a, nobody called us back and said like, "Are you okay?" There was no like, maybe your mental health needs a check. <laughs> right. Yeah, but that that was the kind of experience we had that, you know, like the healthcare system did what it did and and the outcome was the good outcome. Uh, but uh, the the impact was a long-term impact that, you know, you're kind of getting in this challenge that we often have in medicine that, you know, we do treat the, the very moment when you are sick. We take the sickness away or we mitigate the sickness, but then you become chronically ill for 34 years. Yeah. So that's the problem we have. And, and that wasn't okay for us. I mean, we really... Mm-hmm. Like we wanted to do, have something more. And and when we went into this and we talked to doctors and people said that we don't know, it's it's not, not known. And then you realize that, you know, there are other people who are saying that, yeah, I mean, there are many things you can do, but it's mm-hmm. not in the guidebook. It's not on the manual. And when you go off the manual and we did that a lot in the US, so mm-hmm. you, you have to go to do things that are risky. And uh, of course, in... I mean, you you mentioned the reviews, and I 
100% agree with you, but also I, I very much understand the doctor's perspective where a bad review can can destroy your reputation. That's and right. Somebody can do a review, a uh, few reviews uh, that are not true, and then it can have a huge impact on your your whole business. So that is not fair, and I, I don't know what to do about that. But the same mm. applies to the medical malpractice in the U.S., where you go off the script, you want to be brave. You know, Dr. Mm. House can't exist <laughs> in the real world. I mean, That's right. Too risky. You know, the hospital would have enough money to pay all the all the lawsuits. But the problem is that you can't go off the script. And if you do, you take a risk. And luckily, right. we some doctors who were willing to go off the script. And they even said that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think this could work, but you know, there's no science. And and you know, we were deploying the testing like like a keto diet a long time ago, for example. And that has a impact on lowering your your inflammation overall. And those things are now working for a lot of conditions. So I think for us the, the problem was so that um many, many doctors can't do the best work because of the limitation of the system. Mm-hmm. Being a uh, the manual that you have to follow, being the limited time they have with any given patient, or then having the risk of you know the the malpractices, as for example. And many doctors, I think, uh, they could do a lot more if they would have the ability um, to be a bit more creative. And um, and many people, I think, today, and I'm I'm being in, in this world. I, I talk about this publicly, so people come to me. But I, it seems like almost half the people have some issues that they don't know what to do about they're lingering they're these problems that they always take up but they never get an answer mm. and uh, and i mean doctors also i think are very fallible and i i completely uh disagree with the with the perspective that we have today in the western medicine where we have a a specialist on every piece of the body yeah classic problem with the elephant and you are blindfolded and you touch the tail and you touch the nose and we have no idea what the thing is but exactly. that's what you do in medicine today. Exactly. And, but at the same time, you know, you are you are a primary care doctor. You are the one who looks at the whole body, and you know better than anyone that that's almost impossible task because the human body is super complicated. Um, I just spoke yesterday. There's a big AI event here in San Francisco this week, a TED conference about AI, first time ever. And yesterday we talked about uh, we all were taking self-driving cars um, in the city here, and somebody told me that well, well. If we can do this, the car can drive us in the city with, you know, bikes and be like what are happening around you. And why can't we do healthcare? Yeah. And the, the human body is still maybe like a thousand times more complicated. It is a yeah. very complex machine. And we are we are different based on the DNA, the epigenetics, all these things. So I think we need really to change the pattern and think more holistically. I think have better care teams that work together better. And also, I think we have to use AI. We have to deploy the AI um, to help the the caregivers. You are my hero in a lot of ways, I have to tell you now. (laughs) So you you mentioned the fragmented care, the elephant, the many moving parts. And yes, you know, studies here have shown that patients that get excellent primary care, coordinated primary care, do better. Their healthcare outcomes are better. It's very simple. But- there's only so many primary care doctors around and our time is limited, access to doctors is limited. So efficiency is key. And obviously there is a role for AI to 
you know, in my world, many of my colleagues are afraid that AI is going to swoop in and take over doctors' roles. That's never going to happen. But why can't we utilize AI to become more efficient and take better care of our patients? So there's obviously a role there for that. And in your experience, so did this happen with your wife? She had her surgery in Finland and then did you come here and have some of the care here? Is that where the transition happened? Yes, I think you know we 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 got pregnant first time in the U.S. and um, and um, we we got really good care in many ways and and solved the puzzle here. Uh, so that was really really powerful. Uh, but then you know we had a, a related thing when we we lost our son and there was a uh, a thing that was kind of maybe possible to prevent, um, maybe not. Um, but that was then like a challenge, you know, we had to kind of think about like what to do, like, can we become pregnant again? And and that was, of course, you know, very, very tough decision in a way. And, you know, my 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 wife is the bravest person in the world to do that. Mm. If it happens once, then you don't know if it happened again. So that was really, really tricky. And we did some medical procedures that have had been done maybe like 200 times in the world before so that wow. was a very rare aspect of things that you know are pretty you know progressive new medicine that we had to pay you know out of pocket a lot of money and we had to find a person who does that and luckily i had a company who that was able to kind of go through all the data so i got to find who who was the person who does this the most often <laughs> there was a right. code, so we could find a code and find a person and luckily they happened to be like you know 100 mile radius from the bay area um but that was unique and you know that was for me that you know most people would have never even heard about that option we just had a broad array of people who helped us and one of them had heard about it Wow, that really—that's why we we have family. Otherwise, we could not probably never had uh, another run because it was too risky. Um, but that's, I think, the the challenge that you know we we are getting really good at certain things. Um, and I think you know the the cancer treatments and all this stuff. I mean, we are really good. We we can give most people many many more years. And mm-hmm. sometimes we can take the whole thing away in a way that you have a scare, but you might never see it coming back. Uh, but at the same time, we are so bad at taking care of the people before they become sick. And, and that is really kind of the, the focus that I use my time today. We invest in companies who are trying to focus on the preventative care. My company, new company is all about that. And it, it's just really, I think, tough because the you, you ask, like, what was the dissonance in a way? What did the doctors don't know? I mean doctors and any any physician anywhere in the world they don't have more than a one class max about nutrition and and lifestyle and, right. and nutritional lifestyle i mean are the reasons why we have half the people dying too young today are mm-hmm. the reasons why we have lost what four and a half years of life expectancy since 2014 i i love the i mean i've been talking about this for many years myself and I look at the data every every year. I love the fact that the Washington Post they wrote this uh, piece maybe a week ago, yep. super piece. And now they are they are writing a new piece every week, and they're going to do this for the whole end of the year, I think. Really good um, um, summaries about these problems that most people don't believe. And it's very interesting when you see the data uh, in a graph where we see we've been creeping up since I don't know five hundred years ago. Life expectancy has been creeping up. No, first time it's dipping since the World War II and the mm-hmm. Black Death in U- Europe. 
Mm-hmm. Like what's happening? And then the U.S. prop is dramatically bigger than in any country in the world. There's a small dip in Europe and elsewhere, but it's like a like a year, and it, it's going up again. We are going down still today, and it's not just about you know COVID. It's it's really about the fact that we are getting sick as a nation. We are getting heavier. We are getting more chronically ill. And my my worry today, when I look at the data and I look at these nuggets of the data we have some groups of people like native american men uh they are now living 65 67 years on average that's the same number that you have in sub-saharan africa today right it's unbelievable we're going down by the way we're going down from 100 years ago like what, what has happened and it's not just about you know covid it's not just about the opioid epidemic but it's really about this overall way we are living our life we are too stressed we are too addicted to you know social media, all these things. We don't move enough. I mean, we are we are we are also depressed. We don't have mm-hmm. really many people don't feel that life is worth living. There's no future. And many people feel even that their kids won't have a better future. So those are things we really have to fix. And it's not a very societal problem, the whole thing. And and that of course is coming hundred miles an hour against you, the doctors. Like, how can you take care of these people who are getting sicker every day and who have no hope, many of them? So I'm glad you mentioned that because I think you started out talking about data and science, and that's where we all live. You know, we insist on show me the data before I recommend any sort of intervention, right? So a lot of what we do is based on true data that leads to pharmaceuticals, right? And you mentioned we don't get a lot of training in med school, at least we didn't when I went through med school almost 30 years ago, on things like the impact of nutrition, lifestyle, social support, all of that in your overall well-being. And now all of a sudden, we're all shocked that life expectancy is going down as all of these factors you mentioned have been around forever. We've just not been addressing them. So how do you give a typical patient some advice? How does a patient who's seeing a primary care doctor like me broach the subject of, I don't want to take uh, a torvastatin for my high cholesterol. I don't want to be on a medicine for my high blood sugar. How does a patient have this conversation with a doctor who's traditionally been very closed off to the idea of any manipulation outside of pharmaceuticals? If I'm talking to a patient like myself or or my wife only way really to you know stay healthy and um, and and have a have a long good life and a long health span is to take responsibility it's up to us to take responsibility you know pull from the bootstraps and really like nobody will do it for us it's our life it's our health the doctor is there to help you navigate help you guide maybe but mm-hmm. you need to be the ceo you need mm-hmm. to be the quarterback of your life and your health that how it has to be so it means that you need to think about this stuff and i think i was a very lucky person in a way and i i built a very unique uh, point of view because you know we talked about mortality 23 years ago with my wife when she was in hospital mm-hmm. and how many people who are in 20s you know i mean nobody around them dies and go through a question and discussion and you know that saved who we became later because if Mm -hmm. you think about this stuff for and i've been like people call me a biohacker i've been doing this for (laughs) 17 years now 
optimizing my life, testing all my biometric data. I've been sequenced many, many times. I've been scanned on every possible way you can think of. Um, I'm a guinea pig for hundreds of companies. And yeah. it made me learn a lot about uh, the human health. But in the end, it's up to me to make a decision, up to me to make a call, what I'm putting in my mouth today, up for me to decide, am I going to sit all day on this chair? I'm going to go walk to the forest nearby and go hug a couple of trees. It's right. up to me to go sleep at night at 11 or 10 or midnight. It's up to me to open the YouTube or open the TV at the two late hours. Those are my decisions. And those right. all compound into my holistic health and the doctor or the caregiver or whoever I have a coach that person can help me but I need to initiate the change behavior change I mean I'm building a behavior change company today my company is trying to give people tools to become healthier I can't help you if you have no will I can't produce the will it has to be in you and that is the kind of the, the unfair position that doctors are in because many people are coming there like, I need the solution. And they are not committed to follow through. So right. it's really up to us. So so as the patient, you know, you have to advocate for yourself, but you also have to take ownership of your own behaviors, right? So a doctor can only advise you so much, and then you need to make those good decisions. And so I think we are getting better as doctors at recognizing some very key things like sleep, uh, alcohol, you know, uh, smoking, like those are some very non-negotiable things in medicine. We understand that we have to coach our patients in those areas. But for other things that are on the fringes are in terms of, you know, maybe nutritional supplements or maybe very specific things like the anti-inflammatory diet you mentioned. So if you're a doctor and you don't have data, you don't have significant data, how do you convince a doctor to buy into that? Show me your use case so that I can... You know, because we have scientific brains, we need that to feel like it. What we're the advice we're giving our patients is valid. So, how do you convince doctors that there is something to be said for those approaches? I think we one one key piece that we have been working hard at Elo, uh, my current company, is that we do blood biomarker testing at at home. We collect the blood and send it to lab and do you know pretty full panel that you would do today in a conscious clinic. And we spend a lot of time looking between the red and the green. What is the yellow area? Because the yellow area is the most important area. And I think if you look at the patient walking into your pra into practice, um, you know that that person will have a problem maybe year two, three, five down the road. The question could be like, what could I do as a doctor today to initiate a change? And that question, like pointing to yellow, most of, of the doctors today, they live in a world of green, 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 red, medication, chronic disease. <laughs> done. I mean, yes. that's a fact because I, I have been there. I, you know, I'm at Kaiser Permanente today and I, I love them. I think they're really great in Northern California. Uh, but, you know, I went to blood test there maybe 15, maybe, maybe 20th time in the last decade. And my A1C was uh, 5.7. My mm. A1C is 5.5, 5.4. And there was a misreading, a little bit misreading, maybe 10%, 15%. And they now labeled me as a pre-diabetic. Wow. I have been wearing glucose monitor for the last five years every day. <laughs> and I have my data. I can I can go to have terabytes of data about myself. And 
I'm 100% not diabetic. I can give you my, you know, insulin readings for the last five years. I mean, come on, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not diabetic. Unbelievable. I'm, I'm defaulting chronically ill in their books. Right. But that's the problem that, you know, we have to be, and this was a mistake, but, you know, for most people, as a doctor, you know, people are going the wrong direction. And there's a company called Verda Health. Um, I'm, I know the founders, uh, founder really well. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be a small investor there. They're, mo- in my opinion, the most impactful company today in oh. healthcare in the world. So Verda Health is taking uh, a diabetic patient and they are reversing type 2 diabetes with diet. They have now oh. done more than 10,000 people. It's being it's covered now by every health plan, most of big employers. And they do it with the keto diet. They le- they teach people to eat differently. And why mm. it works is that there's often a doctor who will look the patient in the eye. These are patients who already are likely in insulin. They are maybe uh, BMI over 30. They are telling the person that, hey, you're not going to see your daughter mm. graduate. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. But I have a solution for you. And they look in the eye and they'll, this is the solution. And then people have the motivation because the, the person with the white coat told them that there is an, there's an option. And these people, they go full in. There are more than, I think, 10 people have tattooed the company's logo in their body. After Get they out of here. That's unbelievable. Wow. That That's crazy. Me, that to me is the is the is the moment when people actually are believing into something and something works. And I hope Verda will help. Their goal is to help millions of people. I hope they can do that in the next five years. But it so you can have you take people out of medicine, you take them out of insulin, you get these people uh to become you know much better themselves. And they first time for you know five years, they can tie their shoelaces, they can go for yeah. a walk, they can go for a run. These stories are unbelievable. And, and, and that is the power of a doctor in that instance that they told them that there is a there is a solution. But why it does have to be that late? Because these people right. took them 30 years or 20 years to get to become a type 2 diabetic first place. Right. Why don't we tackle that five to ten years earlier? Then we don't exactly. need to do dramatic changes. We can do minor adjustments and the people will live 10 years longer default. Oh my God. Absolutely. So first of all, my life goal now is to have somebody tattoo my name on their arm. That's when you know you've made it as an excellent doctor. That's incredible. So to to close with you, Ari, can you give me, I, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but can you give me what the most, what you think the most important yellow marker is that doctors today are ignoring that are going to impact our patients in 10 years from now, if you have to pick one yellow marker that we are missing the boat on, what would you say it is? One is tough to pick. Um, uh, pick five, whatever, your most important. <laughs> let, let, let's for, for, I mean, first one that, you know, we do a lot of, we do great work already collecting is the weight. And mm-hmm. BMI is not perfect, but that is a really, really good proxy. Then of course you have the, you know, the waste um, like what Waste is the circumference? That's a really mm-hmm. good metric that we are, we are we're doing quite a bit now. Mm-hmm. And then I think after that, um, I'm not really a big believer into the lipid panel because we do that every time. And the lipid panel is more about the particle sizes and the details, what's inside. Yes. We often look at it totally wrong. Total cholesterol is su- super silly. My HDL is almost 80. Yeah, <laughs> so, so total's high. 
Yeah, like like what's the point? And my particles yeah. are all big, so I'm 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 healthy as anyone could be. And right. My numbers are quite high because I eat low carb diet. Um, but then I think that it it really goes to looking at the, like the insulin resistance. I think the metabolic yes. markers. Yes. And then I, I think you know apo apoP um, lp lpa. I mean those are the ones that I think are the dramatically powerful markers that most people don't even know about or do. Yeah. But everybody should do those because they are they're gonna give an indication of heart disease in a way that you can actually accent upon early. And and the insulin resistance, I think, is a really key piece before people get A1C up. We can already see uh in different markers that you know they are they are going there. Because 80% of people are today insulin resistant already, and they all will have type 2 diabetes in the next 30 years. Wow. No, you're a hundred percent right about that. Um so I have one last question for you. Uh, I just read Peter Atia's book, Outlived. Have you seen that? A great book. It's uh, unbelievable. I'm now reading it for the second time. And <laughs> many of the things that you mentioned, he talks about. Um, so it would you pick one book that you've read recently from a patient perspective and maybe another from a doctor's perspective that you think this book will change how you approach your own personal health care? And this book will change how you practice medicine. Can you think of two books like that? Well, I think the the Peter Atias book, I think, is a, is a really good, new, modern, fresh take about this topic. I, I think it's it's just a really good, good overall. And um, I, I think one one book that, you know, is also really good, because I really think that the, the metabolic uh, syndrome is, is a key problem today. Yeah. Uh, there's a book called uh, Metabolical. Mm-hmm. It's from uh, Robert Lustig. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the person who did uh, uh, maybe 15, 20-year-old video on YouTube, a le- I think lecture in Stanford, where he talked about the sugar. And oh, yeah. that lecture has like, I don't know, 5 million views. It's pretty yeah. And and he is maybe the the best expert in the world about what happens when we eat too many uh, carbs, especially sugar. And, yeah. and he he is a fighter in this fight. I, number one night that there is today on this fight against sugar, and and that is the fight I think that we we must win. Otherwise, we're never going to be able to reverse this. Oh my gosh. Love it. What a great great conversation. All right. Thank you so much. So obviously, to recap pick the right doctor, you know, based on whatever data points you can collect and take ownership of your own health. That's a hugely important message. And then for, you know, doctors and patients, we need to rethink what our most important markers of health and longevity are. And maybe it is not the LDL as much as it is, you know, your waist circumference, your BMI, how much you move or don't move, APO, what your particle size is. These are all things that we need to just become much more comfortable with. So I appreciate you so much. I thank you for your important work. We need to accept the fact that, you know, people have choices and people are lazy and people don't do any <laughs> people right. don't want to do stuff that's difficult people want to do the easy thing that's why everybody will buy uh, the CL1 medications to lose weight people and they work they're magic but you know that's not the only thing we should do and i think a lot of doctors and everybody has to think about this in a way that i mean take a look at like we can think, think about Elon Musk we don't need to like him or love him or hate him whatever but you know he built companies that are are pretty cool because you know Tesla 
is not just a better electric car. It is a better car. Car, period. Yes. Because it's a better car. Like we need to make the world, the new world we want to take people to, we need to make it better. It's just not going to be like, you know, better product, healthier pill. It has to be better. Like we need right. to reinvent the world and make it more pleasant and fun and exciting and, and sexy. That's what we need to do a bit more in healthcare. All right. Thank you so much. I can't wait to link your company info and your bio to our show notes. This is really very cool stuff. I know that you have opened my eyes to so many things. Thank you for your time. For everybody listening, my guest today, Ari Tula, is like just a very cool guy to talk to. If you have had a difficult medical conversation or a very cool way to have a better medical conversation, please reach out to me, Christine at christinemeyermd.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Are you ready to join our conversation? Just go to Facebook and search Christine Meyer MD. Follow us to join 14,000 other people committed to creating better conversations in healthcare.